You're listening to the Marriage Project Podcast, episode number 19. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Marriage Project. I am so grateful for you all and so glad that you're here. What a great honor it was to sit down with these two women, Linda Obrimsky and Mariah Marino, who both were just so willing last minute to sit down with me and have this discussion about losing a spouse, losing their husbands. That is the premise of this episode. Both of these women have that in common, that they have lost their husband or lost their spouse. And you can't see me, but I'm putting air quotes around the word lost because they both share that that doesn't even really feel like the right terminology, that they know where their husbands are, that they are home with Jesus. And what a comfort to know where your loved one goes as a believer in Jesus. We know that we're going to see them again if they died knowing their Lord um, and Savior and have placed their faith in him. We know that we'll be reunited with them one day. And their perspective and heart and insight on this topic is just so helpful. And I'm just so grateful for them that they, first of all, said yes to such a vulnerable topic and for revisiting um, just this painful place. But also, I felt that this was a sort of healing as we all just got to unpack this really weighty subject, death. People shy away from talking about death because they think it's morbid or they don't know how to handle the topic. They don't know if the term widow is appropriate. And Linda and Mariah actually will answer that question. I asked them if they even identify with that. And I love how they shared and just the wisdom God has given them. They just poured out so much wisdom and pointed to God's word and really have just great insight for all of us, anyone who may be wondering what heaven is like or what the afterlife is like, um, what they've uncovered as they've gone with the Lord through this really hard journey of death and waiting expectantly for what's to come in the next life. And what I love most about this is God really synced up my heart with theirs and this topic before even knowing that I was going to have them on the podcast. I had ordered this book titled Heaven, and it's by Randy Alcorn. And it, ironically enough, is one of Linda's resources that she was going to share with you all. And her and I had this moment where I, I quoted or brought something up from that book and she said, oh my gosh, that book was so helpful for me. I read through it after Chuck's passing. She just shared the insight and the answers to the questions we have surrounding heaven in this book were just so helpful to her that she wanted to pass um, this info or this book title along to you as well. And I actually have it in my hands. I've been reading it. Randy Alcorn uncovers a lot of the fallacies or falsities around the idea or concept of heaven, and he pulls from scripture to correct that thinking. There's just a lot of false theology surrounding the topic of heaven. I believe that a lot of us think it's going to be boring, or that people think that you're just sitting on a cloud floating in the sky strumming a harp. That is so incorrect. That is not what heaven is like. And so this book is sharing what heaven is and that we can be assured that any quote unquote good thing that we experience here on earth is but a glimpse of the glory of what heaven will be. All the delicacies and beautiful landscapes, waterfalls, rivers, mountains, all of that is a glimpse because right now we're living on a fallen earth. These things are under the curse and earth is not in its right state or in its glorified state yet. And I wanted to read to you a page from it. This page from this book is just going to help me explain that a little bit more thoroughly because of Randy's extensive research and studying the topic. So this is the actual question that he's answering on this page. It says, can it be heaven if people are aware of anything bad on earth? He was answering the question, are people in heaven aware of what people on earth are doing? And I think the false idea or theology is no. How could people who are in heaven know what is going on on earth if it's bad and sinful? We know that Jesus is doing that, that Jesus intercedes on behalf of his people and he's aware of what's going on on earth. So why wouldn't the saints in heaven also be? So this is the answer that Randy 
has for that question. Can it be heaven if people are aware of anything bad on earth? Present heaven and the eternal heaven are not the same. We can be assured there will be no sorrow on the new earth, our eternal home. But though the present heaven is a far happier place than earth under the curse, scripture doesn't state that there can be no sorrow there. At the same time, people in heaven are not frail beings whose joy can only be preserved by shielding them from what's really going on in the universe. Happiness in heaven is not based on ignorance, but on perspective. Those who live in the presence of Christ find great joy in worshiping God and living as righteous beings in rich fellowship in a sinless environment. And because God is continuously at work on earth, the saints watching from heaven have a great deal to praise him for, including God's drawing people on earth to himself. Luke 15, 7 through 10. But those in the present heaven are also looking forward to Christ's return, their bodily resurrection, the final judgment, and the fashioning of the new earth from the ruins of the old. Only then and there, in our eternal home, will all evil and suffering and sorrow be washed away by the hand of God. Only then and there will we experience the fullness of joy intended by God and purchased for us by Christ at an unfathomable cost. Meanwhile, we on this dying earth can relax and rejoice for our loved ones who are in the presence of Christ. As the Apostle Paul tells us, though we naturally grieve at losing loved ones, we are not to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 Our parting is not the end of our relationship, only an interruption. We have not lost them because we know where they are. They are experiencing the joy of Christ's presence in a place so wonderful that Christ called it paradise. And one day we're told in a magnificent reunion, they and we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17-18 So Father, I just pray for this episode that if anyone comes that does not know you yet or does not have the assurance of heaven, may they be reminded of what your word says in John fourteen six, that Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May they place their faith in you, Jesus, so that they will have that eternal promise of where they're going, that they too would inherit sonship under Christ, that they would know you and love you and know your word and have understanding to it, Lord, and be able to unpack the truths that are in your word. Lord, may we be always looking to you and always pointing others to you. And I pray for those that do not know you, Lord, that they would just come into rich relationship with you and be saved and be forgiven, Lord, because we know that heaven is not for good people. It is for forgiven people. So may they just look to you, Jesus, and put their faith in you and find hope. We love you, and I thank you for Linda and Mariah, and I pray that you bless this episode as it goes out for the hearers, and we just commit it to you now, and all the lives that will be saved, Lord, through your great grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we are here recording a brand new episode. I'm so excited to be here and with people in person. The last two episodes, uh, each couple recorded um, just the two of them in quarantine, and we're kind of slowly reopening. So this is great to be here with Linda Obramski and Mariah Marino, and uh, they're here to share their story. And I just know you'll be blessed by this and just want to dive right in and let the two ladies here with me introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more about yourselves and who you are, what you do, and the current season you're finding yourself in. You don't have to answer all three of those, like I said. <laughs> you can just kind of jump around whoever wants to go first. Okay, hi, I'm Linda, and um, I am a mother of three. Uh-huh. I was married for over 30 years to my high school sweetheart, and I have 10 grandchildren that that's been my season right now, oh, <laughs> is, is being able to help and uh, spend time with my grandchildren. So that's, I love that. Yeah. So, and grandbabies. So they're the joy of my life right now as far as, you know, spending time with someone. It's it's the joy that I get from being around them. Mm-hmm. That's 10 reasons to be joyful. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm very blessed and yeah. grateful. Yes. yes, I love that. Well, I'm Mariah. I am 24. I was married for almost two years. 
Um, and I currently work as a client service manager at a gym. Um, but ultimately, I'm a daughter of the king. Mm. And I think that's really where God's been challenging me recently is, you know, we go through life with all these different hats that we wear. And they really do make up who we are. But ultimately, you know, our identity is in Christ as believers. Yeah. As a widow, mm-hmm. you know, you just, I was so wrapped up in my husband, you know, even mm-hmm. walking through everything. And um, yeah, God's really just been challenging mm-hmm. me recently to yeah. just really focus on Him and who I am in Christ. And you're saying that you spent time getting to know and stepping into marriage with your husband. And then how long did that last? I know this is kind of off cuff, but how long did you know each other? So we met when I was 15. Okay. He's three years older than me. Okay. And at the time, um, I was, we had met at church, Mm -hmm. and he was actually a youth leader, and I was a student, (laughs) and the church had a policy that, you know, leaders can't date students, which rightly so. So we actually had to wait. We were just friends during that time, you know, we like hung out in the same friend group, and then it was kind of like my senior year that we started really to like connect and try and get to know each other. Mm-hmm. After I graduated, you know, it was like, okay, like we kind of already both knew, you know, we'd gone through everything and we already knew like we wanted to pursue a relationship. Um, so we started dating. I was, I graduated at 17. I believe he was 21 at the time. Okay. And then shortly after he actually joined the Marine Corps. Oh, wow. So he left for a little bit okay. and we just kind of had a long distance relationship. Three months into boot camp, like, you don't really get to talk much, so it's, like, handwritten letters, mm. like, just, you know, very sparse. Mm. Um, and then once he transferred to, like, his training school, um, we could talk a little bit more, okay. um, but I still really wanted him to just focus on what he was doing and not so much worried about the girlfriend. Right. I was very, like, I was so strict back then because I was, like, <laughs> I'm just the girlfriend. Like, don't worry about me, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not your wife, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's that separation still. Right. Um, and then we dated for a year and a half, I think. Okay. Um, he returned from all his training in July 2014, and he proposed November 2014. Okay. And we got married two months later, January wow. 2015. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fast engagement. Wow. We just wanted to get married. <laughs> I love that you guys wrote letters. Yes. Like that bode well for me. Yeah. I can't express myself in words sometimes. So oh, that's yes. the best way I can express myself. She's great. Yeah. In writing. writing. Yes. You do. Yes. Okay. So maybe I need <laughs> <laughs> something that. Yeah. That's a good. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. That. Um, I mean, that's kind of like how we met. Right, right, right. And then I wanted to just preface this with Linda and Mariah both know each other. You have grown, you said you grew up going to, it was Chuck's. Calvary Church in Santa Ana. My parents were in the the Bible study group he led there. Yes. And then we moved to the Elks Lodge. Yes. And I was so little. It was like in elementary school. (laughs) And then um, from there, we moved to the location in Anaheim. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so her family was involved at our church. And Got it. My husband was a lay teacher for 25 years and then became a pastor. Okay. So that, yeah. yes. So we have two stories here. So it's linked, but not. So we have Linda sharing how her and Chuck met and then Mary, you said you were high school sweethearts. We were high school sweethearts. Yes. And we dated. He he was 15 and I was 17. Oh, okay. I was two years older when we met, but just one year. He was a junior and I was a senior. Okay. Dated as much as we could, <laughs> you know, at that age. Yeah. And um, we dated three and a half years, and we were married um, in 2000. Oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> in 1975. Not <laughs> oh, my gosh. 2075. <laughs> Edit, edit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so married yeah, in 1975. We, um, we had a very rocky start. Mm-hmm. Um, we were not believers when we met. We had planned a, an August wedding, and I got pregnant with mm-hmm. our oldest daughter. And mm-hmm. so we were married in April instead of August. And we are both born and raised in Pittsburgh, okay. Pennsylvania. And okay. so back there, he was 18 and I was 20 okay. when we got married. Wow. Three, like over three years later and mm-hmm. um, had a baby six months later and didn't have a great, you know, marriage role models. Mm-hmm. My parents were married um, over 50 some years, but mm-hmm. his parents, he came from a divorce situation. So he had no mm-hmm. like role models for mm-hmm. marriage and mm-hmm. he grew up with a stepfather so he didn't have a father image either 
So he always told me, he was so determined that he was not going to be like a stepdad and he was going to be a good father and he was going to be a good husband and not knowing what that looks like and not and trying right. to do it without Christ in our lives was very very difficult mm. so we we struggled um, a year later we moved to California so that he could continue his education his biological dad lived in California so that's how we got out here got it and I've been here 45 years now. So this wow. is this is home. I do go back to yeah. Pittsburgh yeah. once to visit, but um, okay. this is home. And okay. we started our life by ourselves out here. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So then you were sharing, I know I'm jumping around here, but um, you were sharing that you were married but didn't have Christ at the center of your marriage. Right. So was there a point, like a turning point for either you or Chuck or did you guys kind of walk through that together? We actually walked through it together. Okay. Um, Chuck's biological father was not a good influence either okay. and he would go out with him in the evenings and we had moved here and had a six month old baby and right. I would be by mm. myself in this one bedroom apartment and mm. it was, I had my bags packed to leave him all the time because mm. I just couldn't yeah I'm not a good loner at that time too with a baby especially um, not having family right having no one yeah uh, no one around but uh, we did walk through it together I got a job at an employment agency because we were not able to make ends meet he thought he had a full-time job when we moved here and it ended Mm. up being part-time so I got a job at an employment agency and it was a Christian company, which we didn't wow. know. And I was the first secretary to the president other than his daughters. Whoa. So it was always, it was a family run business. Wow. And they just accepted me like one of their family. Oh my gosh. And six months after they asked Chuck if he would like a job there. Mm. So we both, we got to work together wow. and we watched their lives and we wanted a marriage like they had. Mm-hmm. They love you could see the love, mm-hmm. the way they talked to each other, the way they were you know acted around each other, the way they were with their children, and you know mm-hmm. we so wanted that, but we didn't know how mm-hmm. how to get it or what it was. And right. and they would share with us a little bit. It was you know because of Jesus and their lives, and we were both actually brought up Catholic, so we believed in God. And right. And then we just didn't have the personal relationship okay. that would make the difference. Wow. So, yes. Yeah, like so. you said, Chuck mentioned divine appointments. I feel mm-hmm. like that was totally a divine was appointment. A di- and that, yeah. I know. I wow. could have taken other jobs, and they hired me like the first interview on the spot. Wow. wow. And so God put us there for a reason, and they invited us to all like their church which we didn't go to their church okay. or it took a couple of years uh-huh. but um like if we just became family to mm-hmm. them and they had us for thanksgiving and christmas and holidays so that we weren't by ourselves and wow so just seeing their life and christ re- represented in their life and mm-hmm. their actions and their words and it was just so attractive to us mm-hmm. and it's what we wanted we wow. were determined we were going to make it and we weren't going to separate and we weren't going to, you know, yeah. have our marriage end. But wow. it's a dead end street when you don't have Jesus. I know. There's wow. no way we would have done it. Right. And we both accepted the Lord the same night at a banquet. Oh, and we didn't know each God. other had prayed. So, it, wow. so that was a special night oh, for us, that's too. awesome. Oh, my gosh. I'm just thinking, like, what an example, too, this couple must have set. It's encouragement to any of us out there who, or whoever's listening who is married, that people are watching, watching. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yes. when you represent Christ well, that look at the impact it can have it was such a difference from what we were used to seeing Mm -hmm. back east and other families and you know we just had never been exposed to to families like that it's that's what drew Drew you there to to church but to christ Christ first yeah oh wow and then I know Chuck became a pastor, and that's where you, well, Mariah, mm-hmm. later yeah. was there. Yes. Later, probably. Yes. <laughs> well, he, we actually, the day after we became believers, Chuck was looking up a Bible bookstore to go buy a Bible. He, and God wow. just really, really changed his life, and it was immediately. <laughs> it was, wow. he just had a desire to read and study, and, mm-hmm. um, 
and then we went to a small church and kind of taking Sunday school and things in and mm-hmm. he's like he just couldn't sit there he's like I gotta be at the pulpit I have to teach <laughs> I have to I have to lead a bible study or something because people were answering and the teacher would say oh yeah that's a good answer and then someone else would say something different and they'd say oh yeah that could be a, a, you know mm-hmm. happening too or something and Chuck would say no it can't be both and he'd go home and study and look wow. up and commentary or whatever mm-hmm. he had at that time there was no internet so yeah we had to do the old school book way <laughs> but he had went and bought books and dictionaries and um, commentaries and just wow. saturated he just read all the time and and just wanted to learn so God truly gifted him he never went to school to, wow. to teach you know to be a pastor but he, um, he equipped him he mm-hmm. equipped him and wow. gifted him and mm-hmm. held down our full-time job we ended up having our own business mm-hmm. he wow. was the chaplain for the angels yes. the Los Angeles Rams when they were here and the um, Anaheim Ducks oh I remember it. so yes. yeah so God just kept using him so everyone said he's a man's man because like the athletes and everyone could relate to him and being from Pittsburgh you know he was grew up in sports and just you know that he loved sports he loved people and loved Jesus and even more so that's all he wanted to do was share with everyone wow that's so awesome I love how God just he does radically transform our lives and then he has work for us to do (laughs) then he does he had work till the end yes yes so, okay, so going into the next part of acknowledging that this is a marriage podcast and both of you girls, girls, both of you ladies, <laughs> you're girls, okay. <laughs> you're girls, I just feel like that, I just feel like that's not as respectful, but both of you ladies are here today to share just the journey that you have been on and that legacy you just mentioned that he had a lot of work up until the end, the legacy that you are carrying on after the death of a spouse and I had a few questions to ask out of personal wondering for anyone listening is it okay I guess to even ask that or say it that way death of a spouse or the term widow has that been something that's been hurtful or is there something more helpful to say and Maria, you were saying there's just been a lot of grace that you've had to give and that we even don't even sometimes realize what we're saying but I was just mm-hmm. curious if there are things that are like trigger words or if that's the proper way to even say it or how you would describe that I said losing a spouse but you said they're, no, not lost. they're not lost. They're not lost. <laughs> they're, not lost. They're, they're, they're home. They know That's you right. know where they are. They yeah. are found. They are yes, home. And so yeah, would you just maybe touch on that a little bit, Mariah? Um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like we said, the loss of a spouse is, you know, something I personally don't like to say just because as you touched on, like we didn't lose our spouse, you know, we know where they are, we know they're in heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, The death of a spouse, you know, I mean, that's what happened, you know, Mm -hmm. they died, they're no longer here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people don't really know what to say to someone who's lost a loved one, whether it is a spouse or a sibling or an uncle, a grandmother, whatever the relationship is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've just learned, you know, we really do just need to be patient, show love, show grace. Um, because it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, mm-hmm. um, especially you know if you haven't really experienced um, death so closely, mm-hmm. um, you know in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really just stems from the person that you're talking to and kind of just knowing your audience who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Widow's kind of such a weird term for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being like a twenty-four old, twenty-four year old widow, <laughs> it's just is like it's heavy um but it's life but you know as I said earlier it's not my full identity my full identity is in the Lord and so I just kind of have to be reminded of that right and it's probably not something you ever imagined right no yeah I mean I mean you know when you say your vows till death do us part you know you think of that and I think to an extent because Tyler was in the Marine Corps you know and the whole idea of deployments and Death, you do think of death in that way. You know, I did think, you know, okay, I could possibly lose my husband, you know, overseas or, you know, in some kind of accident. Um, I mean, even just driving on the freeway or flying in a plane. Mm -hmm. You know, so you think about that. Mm -hmm. But I never once considered walking through what we did walk through. I mean, praise God just for his, you know, overwhelming grace and faithfulness at that time. But um, it's definitely something that you can't really prepare for as much as you think you can. Right. Hearing the diagnosis, you guys have that in common that both Tyler and Chuck 
passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. What type of cancer did Tyler have? Tyler was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Okay. So it was basically cancer that was spread throughout his entire body from head to toe. Wow. It just, it hit every ounce of his body. Oh, wow. um, I mean, in that one, you know, you don't really know where you get it from. Um, yeah. yeah. So and you were married, you said, December 2014? So we, we got married January 2015. 15. Yep. Um, okay. And we were married for a whole year, and it was great. Okay. You know, they say that's the honeymoon phase, but... I mean, I don't know, like, I don't feel that we were ever, like, in this just marital bliss. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there were still very serious things we were dealing with. We're blessed to live in California in an apartment in Tustin, you know, so mm-hmm. he was working two jobs. He worked for the family company, and then he was a Marine, mm-hmm. and then I was going to school, and I also nannied. But we had so much fun together in that first year. Like, it really was just such a blessing. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after our one-year anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of February is when we got his diagnosis. Okay. And that was really, um, it was challenging to get the diagnosis because he um, was an avid, like, workout, the gym a lot, so mm-hmm. he worked out a lot, mm-hmm. um, and he was experiencing some pain, and so he just thought it was, like, a slipped disc or a pulled muscle, mm-hmm. so he was, like, going to the chiropractor, doing acupuncture, like, just, like, minimal things to fix, you know, something, yeah. and after a couple weeks, um, thankfully, we had some friends who were doctors and really helped push um, a diagnosis. We discovered that it was the cancer. Um, and so we were then transferred from a local hospital to City of Hope in Duarte, California. Okay. Um, and we were in the hospital for three months. Mm-hmm. I dropped everything, stopped going to school, stopped working, mm-hmm. um, stayed with him in the hospital the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did three rounds of chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And um, at that last round, he did achieve remission. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was then considered an outpatient, so we would just go in uh, twice a week, and then um, slowly it went to once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a great summer, mm-hmm. you know, like he really seemed like he was doing well. We were really positive and hopeful that, you know, he had really beat it and that the Lord was going to see him through it on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then towards the end of August, he just really went downhill fast. Mm-hmm. Um, at first it started with pain again and so we went in for a scan and he had some enlarged organs and we were trying to treat it outpatient and then finally it just got so bad they admitted him and um, September 2nd 2016 is when he passed away so yeah pretty so soon in the same after. year yeah wow yeah so from February to, to September, September. Mm-hmm. wow so you were sharing I'm sure that we can in the next question we can share more but just that he didn't beat it here on earth, but um, he's now more alive mm-hmm. than ever. And he's completely healed. Healed. So he's in heaven. So yeah. it looks differently than what we were originally praying for. I mean, ultimately we pray for God's will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you really do just hope that the Lord would heal him so yeah. he has a full life on earth. Right. Um, right. And even in those later days, like towards the end, once he was readmitted, um, mm-hmm. I mean, those last few days, your prayers go from... Like, you wanting earthly healing to the Lord, just take him home. Mm-hmm. Like, the pain is so bad, and you're literally, like, there are no words to explain, like, just watching someone basically just die. And it sounds kind of morbid, um, but it, it is the truth. You know, we were all his family, some close friends. We were just sitting there day after day, just watching him in the hospital bed. And you're like, Lord, like, just end this. Like, we know he's not going to come out of this, so what's the point in prolonging this? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just... Like, you can't even describe what that feels like um, or even prepare for that. Yeah. I mean, because even, like, once he took his final breath, like, there's, like, this immediate, like, relief. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, this joy and this calmness, this peace overcame me because I knew he was completely healed. Like, mm-hmm. he was no longer in pain. He was no longer yeah. suffering. But then you have the other hand where he's not with you anymore. Right. right? You know? And yeah. so it's just... And then there's just so many emotions in that because you think he's a son. He's a brother. He's an uncle. Just the different relationships. Yeah. Um... You miss them. Mm-hmm. You're going to miss them. Yeah. Until you see them again. Right. Uh, so in your case, Linda, the diagnosis for Chuck's cancer. Yes. Um, he was a runner and he found a lump in his groin mm. and he didn't tell me and he never goes to the doctor. Oh, <laughs> he, was, he was the guy that, I'm okay. I never have to go. But he did go and didn't tell me. And then after he came back, they said, he told me they found a lump and that he had to have it removed. Um, so we went and had it removed like a week later. And the doctor that did the surgery came out and said, well, I, I got 
the whole tumor. He said it was a tumor, but it looks benign. It's all encapsulated. He said, but I did see a little bit of blood. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, we had no idea what that meant. Mm -hmm. And they sent it to pathology. And so it, um, we'd never heard of it before, mm -hmm. but he had a soft tissue sarcoma. Mm -hmm. And it's a very uh, deceptive cancer, mm. so it, that's why it looks benign because it's mm. encapsulated, wow. and you think that it's just right there. Well, because there was a little blood in it, it did travel to his mm. bloodstream and then to the soft tissues areas. Mm. But he, he a week later he was in UCLA getting um, a surgery, and they took out like a small mm. football size of his mm. groin. Mm -hmm. Before he, when he was get, getting wheeled in, he, he, the last thing he said to me was, expect a miracle, but accept God's will, mm -hmm. is what he said to me the last thing when he went in. Mm -hmm. And they came out and he, they got one, they were able to get one millimeter of clear margins, what we were really happy about, because mm -hmm. if they, sarcomas, you cut it out. And a lot of times, it's mainly was found in children and in bones, mm -hmm. and they would amputate. Mm -hmm. But um, this was in the soft tissue area, so mm -hmm. and it came back four different types of cells. They very rare, very aggressive. They didn't even know what to name it, or because of all the different cells that were making it, making up the tumor. Right. Pleomorphic is what they named it. Mm -hmm. A pleomorphic sarcoma. So um, from there, they highly suggested radiation. So he did um, 48 radiation treatments. And chemo is the last thing you do because it doesn't really kill the cells. Um, so we did the radiation and, you know, just he called it a roller coaster, the cancer coaster, because one week it was, yes, we got clear margins. And the next week, no, it's there's another tumor somewhere else. You know, yeah. oh yes, we got that tumor, and, uh, and he had he had it developed mainly in the lungs. It attached to the lungs, mm -hmm. and they did different procedures, um, trying to burn it out, and things that they just had never even tried on anyone else before. But it was like, okay, we're gonna try this, and so um, yeah, so he did the radiation, which it never came back in the groin, mm -hmm. but it did spread to the lungs. He ended mm -hmm. up having seven surgeries. Mm -hmm taking pieces of the tumor out of the lung. And then the last one, they had to take the whole mm -hmm. lower lobe out. Wow. And at that point I was like, okay, you know, what do we do? So we did do some alternative. Yeah. Um, this was August, 2003 when he was okay. diagnosed. Uh -huh. We did some alternative chemo, which okay. didn't put him in the hospital or, you know, it was, you right. do it with insulin, and the cancer okay. loves sugar, so it, the oh, insulin. Great. And I really believe that that gave him, along with God, mm -hmm. <laughs> that really you know gave him a little more time because God wasn't finished with mm -hmm. him yet. Right. Through oh. his cancer, he we were, we had just um, had our church that mm -hmm. June. Oh wow! So that was like the planting of. The, your well, I'm sorry. That January, and we moved that June. Okay. To, it's okay. Anyway, <laughs> I was like Somewhere 10 years there. old at the time. You were 10? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Something like that. It's, I think. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. Ago. But it was like, okay, God, um, yeah. we just started this church. And, wow. and then we got our, the property out in Anaheim Hills. And, and the pastor there, you know, Chuck went to him and just said, I've been diagnosed with cancer. And mm. they made the agreement on a handshake months mm. before. And he said, Chuck said, he said, well, what does, what does that mean? And Chuck said, well, I just wanted to let you know mm -hmm. that with or without me, this church needs a home mm -hmm. and we want to continue, you know, with the property, mm -hmm. you know, purchase right. and everything. Getting so finalizing yeah. everything. And it was just amazing. Yeah. It was just amazing. So I mean, still see him. So how long did he two years past that? Two he, years we, so 2003 and he passed September of 2005, oh, okay. September 18th, 2005. So, yeah, but through those two years, um, our church became our family and support, and everyone would say, you know, he not only taught us from God's word how to live, but he taught us how to die mm -hmm. through his mm -hmm. actions and through his faith. Mm -hmm. He just, he never stopped. Mm -hmm. He never stopped chapels. He never stopped teaching unless he was in the hospital and right. he'd schedule his surgeries on Mondays, yes. be out of the hospital Friday, Saturday, be back at the pulpit on Sunday. Oh and you could just see, wow. see he, the color in mm -hmm. his face. You could just see the Holy Spirit take over. Mm -hmm. He would get up so weak, sometimes up all night, 
sick and he'd get up that morning and start preaching and the color just comes into his face wow. and the Lord gave him strength and the Holy Spirit was just there every week with them. Wow. So it's wow. powerful. Yeah. We saw a miracle every week really wow. that he was able to, to preach. That's, yes. Yeah. Wow. That is And then he'd go he'd go from church and a few of the guys would come to the church from the Angels organization that Tim Salmon actually he was hurt that year. Uh -huh. And he'd come and he'd take Chuck to chapel and oh. the last few times he took him in a wheelchair into mm -hmm. chapel so he could do chapel. I was going to say, did he see them win the World Series? When did they win did. the World Series? 2002. Oh, it was, huh? 2002. We just rewatched that. Yeah. No live baseball. He did. We, he got to go to every every oh game. God, playoff. We wow. went to every playoff. He yes. was in San Francisco and we were at every home game. Oh, wow. And he was in the locker room with them after holding the trophy. And wow. They even he was the first chaplain to ever receive a World Series ring. Mm -hmm. No one has ever had him. And the players all said he was part of the team. Aww. So that's awesome. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. That's awesome. Great. And we had his memorial service at Anaheim Stadium. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's where he ministered to the Rams and the Angels. So it was very wow. appropriate. Mm -hmm. And the organization was just amazing in letting us um, have it there and, wow. and um, be able to of the speakers yeah. and mm -hmm. that, you know, from the Rams and the right. Angels yeah. on the field oh. where they played and yeah. where they were ministered to. Oh, wow. And that legacy that they both, yes, husbands left and that you're still even carrying it on right now that you're telling I am. parts of their stories. <laughs> I know. And, um, to kind of go back around to what you said about finally that moment where you checked that box on the form once where it said widow you just said it was just, no, just a moment of it was very hard hard <laughs> and then tears were just going down. yeah it's like, and okay, how this really it's it is real and just kind of you were saying too like the the stigma that kind of is around that word is there do you use that word when you are like describe I You're, don't. You don't. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. yeah. Seldom do I find myself using that word. Yeah. Um, it's really only with, you know, someone who may know my story. Uh-huh. Um, but it's not even like describing me. No. No. Um, like it's kind of more in the general sense maybe. Yes. Um, but yeah, because I mean, yeah. sure we might be widows and right. the like, definition of a widow, but... And it can be symbolic, because I'm thinking in the Bible, it talks about, like, taking yes, care of widows right. and orphans, and orphans sure. but I'm like, yeah. even in that, what does that fully even mean? Like, what did the Lord mean in that word? Like, yeah. there's probably just so much that you can interpret in that. He's yes. been with you in this, and yeah. walked you through it, and um, that you're here to even tell the story is just glory to Him, and going off of that, were there, or have there been any glory to God moments, I'm sure there's multiples but like one that whether it was in the hospital or past um that point um where you experience God's love just so fully in the midst of that heartbreak yeah. if that's even how you describe right. it that yeah. might not be how no, you would describe okay. it so you can correct I mean, me my biggest thing is just I was constantly thinking of Romans eight twenty eight, mm. right um God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our days in the hospital, like, they were hard. You know, they there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of sorrow. But the Lord was so good during those times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially the early on times when he was going through all his chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people would look at those as like, we were in the valley. Mm -hmm. And yes, we were in the valley, but we were so close to the Lord. Yeah. Like I, even mm -hmm. now in the last three years, like I think the closest I've ever been to God was when I was in that hospital room next to my husband oh. in bed while he was receiving chemo. Oh. Like it, there was just this peace that the Lord brought, this wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, I was 19 and 20 years old going through that. And mm. my sister's 19 now. And it's like, I just couldn't imagine her walking through what I have walked through and it's just a, such a testament to who God is to bring a 19 to 20 year old through that in the way that he did is just like it all glory goes to God because I like we would never been able to come out of that without right. him right. um I think probably the more darker days have been um you know the last three years mm -hmm. you know the first year mm -hmm. you're kind of just like kind of numb but because you're kind of trying to figure it out you're in fight or flight mode you know you're 
you don't want to, at least for me, I didn't want it to let it define me. I didn't want it to prevent me from moving forward. And so I was very, you know, big on, okay, I just got to keep going. I got to, you know, just one step, one step in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the second year comes along and the second year was probably harder than the first year because the second year you're just mm-hmm. like, you're feeling everything now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is like really real. Like, not that I ever thought he would come back, but it's like, you just, it's been two years. Like I should have moved on a little bit better. And it's like, I felt like I went backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this last year, the Lord has just really redeemed me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I had actually, ended, I broke my foot uh, November of last year. Mm-hmm. And so I was stuck on the couch, um, literally, because I couldn't walk um, for you down. months on end. Time out. And then every, the world shut down as soon as I could walk. Oh, my God. So the Lord really just used that time, I think, to just say, Mariah, you need me and you need only me. Like, stop trying to find other things, other things mm. to fill the gap, mm. you know, to keep your mind busy. Like, you need to focus not necessarily on me, but on my relationship with the Lord and who I am in Him. Like, as I said earlier, like, that's really been the biggest thing the last few months. Wow. Um, and I think, so all my, like, little, like, moments of glory have really just been, like, Christ's faithfulness mm-hmm. in so many different things that you don't really see until, like, you're out of it. And you're like, wow, Lord, like, I felt so out of your grips, but yeah. yet you had me the whole time. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Um, the first year, I think you have all those firsts, and people are there for mm-hmm. you. They're, you know, they remember yes. that first yes. year. They remember you, and they want to be there for you. The second year was the hardest for me as well because it was less and less people around and more mm-hmm. by myself. I was and, gonna say you're almost like your mind's maybe taken off it a little bit in a right. different way. Right. Or, with yeah. people coming in to right. be alongside be you. you. Right. Yeah. Right. To go through it with you. It's more definitely by myself, but God is faithful. And mm-hmm. I was never one to want to be by myself. And mm-hmm. I was always, even if I had fear at night, I'd hear a noise mm-hmm. or something. And yes. God took all of that wow. away. I slept, I mean, I'm still in our home. I'm so blessed to have our home. And by myself most of the time and I have had no fear um God's just filled my heart you know with himself and with his love and his comfort and um and you know his love for Chuck I know Chuck always said um he gave me so much encouragement to go on because he would he said we've done everything we can we have no regrets we've done everything humanly if God decides to take me home Mm -hmm. you know that's his will and we always prayed again you know for his will and he would say I'm not going to live a day longer and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to die a day sooner than Mm -hmm. God has already appointed Mm -hmm. and that just gave me such peace and I just think of that and and um, Chuck's verse I have lots of verse but his main one his last one which I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. he had was like preaching to the athletes in that about is to finish strong. Mm-hmm. And that was his motto for us in Second Timothy 4, 7, run the race and keep the faith and finish strong. And mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. Doctors, nurses came to his service that people just were, he ministered in the mm-hmm. hospital <laughs> that last week in the hospital right. and to all the doctors, to other patients. And just, he was such an encouragement. Oh, wow. the, the doctor our doctor even cried when he had to sign the papers mm-hmm. to not be able to do anything else to help them. Yeah. He wow. said, I just don't understand why God's taking him and not somebody else. Yeah. And this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And, right. you know, Chuck was kind of not, he, he was in the hospital six days, okay. seven days before he passed. Okay. So, and got weaker and weaker and couldn't speak. But the one time he sat up when the doctor was talking to me and just said, we've done everything we could. And he sat up, he sat up and he said, doc, you're practicing medicine. God's in control. This is not your fault. <laughs> and, and he just said, I'm not giving up. I'm still praying. God can still right. heal me. Yeah. And, you know, wow. this is in his happy. hands, mm-hmm. not yours. Because the doctors feel so helpless, you know. Right. I'm so, sure that's, yeah. That's, that's, and I'm still in touch with his oncologist, the last oncologist Aww. we had. And wow. he's, wow. yeah, wonderful man. And yeah. stays in touch with, with me. And, and I think it's hard for, you said sometimes people don't even want to touch the topic of death. But mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. saying everyone dies. Like, right. why is it such a hard thing? And I think without Christ... Yeah. It's a, it is kind of a 
a dark thing maybe or it's hard to fathom because you think that's the end yeah right i mean depending on you know what people believe but you know really after death a lot of people don't think there's anything after Mm. right um whereas believers yes yeah our hope in the lord and we have eternity Yes. You know, and, and God sees fit for those who do die. Mm-hmm. Their their work on the earth is done and you know, their legacy can continue to be a witness for right. Him. Right. Yeah, yes. Right. And it's, even in those moments in the hospital you're saying, I'm yes. sure the mm-hmm. nurses and doctors even witnessed oh, yeah. you're praying. And I think that's what Carly, who put us in touch, said there was a video or something that Tyler like oh, was yes. a moment in the hospital. There was. Mm. This was actually it was um Right? Like, he was, like, in his final days. You know, he was super out of it. He couldn't really hold a full conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd have a couple of friends come and say hi, and, he'd, you know, he would just light up with joy. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it took everything out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just one night, you know, it was like his men that had poured into him were there. And, um, you know, we were all just gathering to pray, and Tyler just, he started praying. Wow. And it was like, I mean, you really hadn't heard, like, words come out of his mouth. Yet, like, the Lord just totally gave him the words to pray this prayer. Um, and it was it was amazing. I do look back on that video every now and then. <laughs> you, so we have, the, we have the video. We have the video, yes. And I'm so blessed to have Chuck's teaching. Yes, yes. yes. Um, oh on our, gosh. you know, we have a website and, and, yeah. and even videos of him. They're so right. amazing. Yes. So you and have that piece. And I love yeah. that. I love looking at them or listening yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. It's you know, some people say, I don't know how you can do that, but it gives it me peace. It brings you joy and peace. Yes, yeah. and joy. And, and you just kind of remember those those good moments and right. the time that you had with them. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And the blessing that you did, like you said, had with them. And that, Linda, you even said to not take for granted. Right. Like, right. The time. Don't take for granted. Or don't have husband. regrets. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Right. I know marriage is tough, especially those first few years. And yeah. And every year after it doesn't matter, but, but, you know. And naturally, you know, we're selfish people. Yes. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that gets in the way of marriages is I want what I want and your spouse wants what they want. And sometimes we're too selfish to want to see the other side. Mm -hmm. I think for Tyler and I, when we got married, you know, we did our premarital counseling. One of the biggest things that stood out to me was that we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. We're not against each other. So Mm -hmm. if I'm ever fighting with Tyler... I'm trying to be, I'm fighting against him, right? Mm-hmm. Right, And so it's more of having this conversation so we can come together because we have a common goal in mind. We both love each other. Mm-hmm. We both want the best for each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of just communicating in a way that, you know, is really rooted in Christ mm-hmm. um, so you guys can come together and, right. you know, right. agree on something. Mm-hmm. Or if that's off, it's like, how do we get back to, exactly. like, mm-hmm. yeah. recenter, reset? When Christ is your foundation, you just... He resets us. He does. He does. He, does. he really does. He's like, and I was blessed to have Chuck yeah. so into God's mm-hmm. word. Yeah. And, I mean, he would just say, okay, you know, let's stop. And, yeah. you know, yeah. when we took in, say, and talk it through, he was just right. so level-headed. Level-headed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he, we were opposites. <laughs> I was always negative. He was always a positive. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we can do this. You know. And he was such an encourager that yeah. I was just blessed to be yeah. his wife for mm-hmm. over 30 years. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was just reading Ephesians 5. It's about, you know, the role of husbands and wives. And it does say that to, you know, love your wife as Christ loved the church mm-hmm. and cleanse her by the washing of God's word. And yeah. mm-hmm. it is just such a uh, reset and it cleanses us and mm-hmm. purifies us. And Which is why it's so important to have that spiritual leader in your home. Mm-hmm. But like even Bill speaking, like you were saying, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so important that the husband, you know, right. really honors that role. Right. And then outside like of marriage, I mean, I'm not married and haven't been, but Jesus is that. He is our heavenly husband too. Exactly. He is um, just there in that role and he takes care of us and provides and guides and mm-hmm. I don't know it's just yeah. definitely amazing to have experience him. that after yeah. our spiritual yeah. leaders right. you know, went to heaven yes. yeah. it's like okay he, he had all the wisdom and what am I going to do yeah. <laughs> how, you know how do I navigate from here right. and yeah. I felt like you know that I was lost. I was lost. Yes, yes. <laughs> I wow. was lost. I was like, okay, I'm not used to doing this anything on my own. And wow. He was you know, uh, the roots of the tree in our mm. home and in my, our marriage, and mm. that was wow. gone. And 
I could just be blown over very easily because <laughs> yeah. the roots were, were not there. Wow. And I feel like it's something we don't really pray for. Like we don't say, you know, Lord, bring us suffering. Right. You know? Lord, make this hard today. But it's but. in those things mm-hmm. where, like you said, Mariah, you found the most peace and joy. Yeah. And I'm sure, Linda, you would echo that. Same thing. And it when brought we, us so close to the Lord, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and he allows these things, I think, not I think, because it does, he, he wants our hearts. Mm-hmm. I mean, as good as marriage is right. and what a blessing it is um, and can be, mm-hmm. it's our relationship with him that he wants More. most. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hard for people sometimes when they're wondering that, like, well, how could a loving God mm-hmm. allow so much suffering mm-hmm. or allow certain things to happen? But we see in that through even the testimony of both of their stories, even in the hospitals, like mm-hmm. Christ and God's heart is to see more lost people home. And mm-hmm. these men were just poured out in vessels mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. and they, and to death, you know, yeah. and to death went and just proclaimed the word mm-hmm. through the life that they lived. And that is to the their heart. And to the very end, right. they, they yeah. never lost their faith. No. Yeah. And, God just was with them the whole wow. time. Yes. And, and us. Right. Mm-hmm. And and more people know Christ now because of the stories mm-hmm. that they had mm-hmm. and are mm-hmm. how they lived and represented him well. And mm-hmm. I just have a couple more questions. To just step into how serving God or learning God's heart has looked after or new. You've kind of just touched on that. How you've had to like learn maybe just new routines or methods and um linda you even mentioned how you can listen back on chuck's sermons and that has taken you to new territory um and talking about breaking down barriers of maybe like fear like god calling you mm-hmm. to do things that maybe chuck would spearhead in and i'm sure mariah you might have similar stories i don't i don't know i want to hear more about that how does that look now how can you girls share yes um I just didn't think I'd ever be able to really do anything for the Lord and mm-hmm. anything big anyway. Mm-hmm. I guess I thought um, well, on my own. Well, being a wife and mother was yes. that. Yeah, <laughs> that I was big. I know what you mean. <laughs> but I felt like I didn't have any purpose after mm-hmm. Chuck had passed because I just like, oh, well, we did everything together. Right. We were, you know, we ministered together. We served together. He was the teacher, but I was... Mm-hmm. there with him you know as far as um in ministry and um I, I within the year stepped out of my comfort zone and started a nonprofit ministry in his memory because I had 25 years of messages and they're now all on iPods um I don't even like to fly but I've been to Africa three times I've had a had a very bad flying experience, oh, which the Lord brought, brought me through. But, and well, that's like a long flight. Like that's, that's like twenty five hours. Yeah. Yeah, 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 not just like Hawaii. No, five no. hours. No. Well, and specifically Uganda. Uganda. Yeah. Uh, got connected there through a pastor that saw an interview that was done on. Um, actually TBN mm-hmm. did an interview before Chuck passed um, like a month before and it was shown around the world and mm-hmm. it touched so many people and so the pastor in Africa contacted me from and asked about because Chuck talked about he did a heaven series um, oh. God put in his heart to teach on heaven mm-hmm. as one of his last series wow. and it was powerful mm-hmm. and so he wanted a copy of it so we always mailed out his um, Chuck wanted anyone to have God's word whoever wanted it for free and so we mailed him over there and he kept in touch and ended up a few years later I went over and we built a school and supported orphans in the school over a hundred children and they had buildings and desks and food and um, it was just Unbelievable to be able to see. I thought you were just see like that. <laughs> I put some of the bricks, the first bricks, oh on and pray God. over the first building when we went, and then we kind of added from there. So I, awesome. God gave me a purpose, mm-hmm. and He gave me Chuck's passion to yeah. to reach the world was what he which what he wanted to do with God's word, and so to this day, as long as God provides, I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna 
continue doing it. I am doing it. Yeah. Like I said, I was three years, um, went to Uganda, um, three years, but we've sent iPods with all the messages Mm -hmm. along with the Jesus film on it to other people traveling, taking things to other on mission trips and leaving Mm -hmm. them with, um, pastors or, you know, people that would um, wanting to know God's word because ah. they don't really have the teaching there. And no. the first trip I went, just real quick, I got to meet some of the pastors. There was a pastor's conference and I was uh, connected with a pastor there. And he brought, he said, these pastors want to meet you. So we went and met them. And it was like when I came home, I had to just rethink everything. Like, Lord, did this really just happen? But they sat across a table from me, and each one of them told me what the messages have meant. Some of them were repeating the messages, you know, wow. verbatim of what Chuck and wow. telling me their favorite ones. And wow. he always told a story, and some of them were telling me their favorite story. Wow. And and then they've also told me they transcribed them into their um, tribal language. Wow. And so That's they beautiful. listen to them, That's they transcribe, beautiful. and they preach in their tribal language. So they're reaching so many people, and, and I've handed out so many <laughs> just people I've met in the hotels over there, and we were connected, I told you, to a hospital now right. um, in another part of Uganda, and mm-hmm. I get emails and that people, it's just, I don't yeah. know, God's still using him, and that's what he wanted. He wow. wanted. He wanted to get God's word to anyone that would receive it and yeah so God's allowed me to have that passion and purpose so so I feel like that's kept me very busy (laughs) so and it's been very rewarding yes that's amazing and I'm just thinking like you're he's sharing still the hope that he had in Jesus and giving that even to people maybe facing certain exactly similar diagnoses that don't have the hope of heaven right and I would take the at that time it was CDs when he was uh-huh. in the hospital. We took CDs and the heaven and left them. And then I've oh, gone wow. back to the hospital. I haven't gone the last couple of years, yeah. but the first ten well, years, COVID yeah, <laughs> the first ten years or so, I'd go back and just take a basket on his anniversary of his mm. death Aww. and um, put CDs in it and um, just goodies for the nurses, you know, oh, cookies yeah. and some things and. And they were always like, we can't believe you're doing this. And people never come back. It's just too hard for them to come back. And God just really used that, you know. That boldness almost. And I was asked to go back to pray with um, a lady that was in the hospital when Chuck was in there. And um, I didn't know if I could do it or not. And I have a very good prayer warrior friend Ruth and oh, so yes. she went with me that we went and we ended up going to the room and it was the same room that Chuck was in Wow! and I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it but but God just strengthened me and I was able to pray with her and it was just a That's incredible. you know it was not even it was maybe six months after so it wasn't wow. a long wow. time after so yeah. So to walk into the room where we were as a family, you know, just seeing him take his last breath. But but it was, like you said, we rejoiced, too, Mm -hmm. that he wasn't suffering and that he was with the Lord. Right. And this life is but a blip. It is. It really is. It is. So quick. It's going to be so quick. It is. And in light of eternity. And I'm actually reading a book right now on heaven. It's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Oh, Oh, I love him. I've met Randy, too. Oh, really? And that's one of the books I said to him. To recommend. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. I finally am like, I'm going to dig into this. I don't know where I saw it recently, but I think it was on a prayer live or something. You know, we're in Zoom days right now, so it was... And the pastor brought it up. I think it was Jack Hibbs, Chino Hills Chap Company. Uh-huh. 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 He brought that up, and I was like, I think I'm going to read it. Yeah, he's a great author. Yes, he is. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, I just read a verse in that book that said, we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, mm-hmm. and the question he's addressing in that part is, do people in heaven know right. what people on earth are doing? And he references, I think, Revelation 6, talking about the martyrs who... Um, remember like things so it's it's really taking down fallacies or false ideologies that have been kind of like embedded in us about mm-hmm. heaven that mm-hmm. aren't true mm-hmm. like heaven is paradise right. it is yes. every glimpse of quote-unquote good that yes. we experience here just without sin right and corruption and disease and, and disease. Mm-hmm. 
you know, God's story going to restore it. And anyway, yeah, I'm just thinking like they're both cheering you on. Like they know what's going on. Like they don't not know what you're up to, like what you're doing to go into Tyler. So yeah, I mean, I was definitely very lost. Like as Linda said, very confused. You know, we served in the church together. We were involved in the children's ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I was so, I was always so involved in everything. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I I grew up serving in children's Mm -hmm. ministry and just, Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I was at church almost every day of the week growing up. Yeah. Um, and then after Tyler died, I kind of had to step back, readjust, you know, kind of figure out where I belonged because, mm-hmm. you know, now that I was no longer married, there are certain roles that I can't fill mm-hmm. or don't fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then certain, you know, groups that, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of just naturally, you know, segue from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we were involved in the young marrieds group and right. I was no longer young married, so I couldn't really be involved in that group. But I didn't necessarily want to go back to like the college group because right. I was in such a weird spot. Like mm-hmm. to be able to relate with college kids just wasn't going to work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I found it hard to like go back and serve in the youth ministry, mm-hmm. the children's ministry where I served with my husband. Mm-hmm. Like there was just a lot of emotions there that I just did not feel ready to face. Yeah. I kind of used that year to just step back from serving in ministry at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead my ministry was taken to um, caring for a friend's grandmother mm-hmm. who was in an elderly home. And, I don't think I really realized it at the time, but I think looking back on it, like that's how the Lord then used me to serve someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think as women, especially, you know, our desire is to serve others. Mm-hmm. You know, like we want to be a helpmate to a husband, and you know, we love mm-hmm. to take care of our families and our friends. You know, we're great hostess, and that's just kind of who God's created us to be. And and so with that opportunity, like I was doing my friend a favor, but yet they were blessing me with that opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now this past year. Um, you know, I'm kind of in that like spot where I'm like, okay, Lord, what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what am I doing now? And so it's really encouraging to hear Linda, you know, and, and her years of, um, the life that she's lived and me, like, I still feel like I'm so fresh in it. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's only been three years yeah. and it can seem like three years is a long time, but then on the flip side, it's really not a long time. Like there is still like emotions that I feel are fresh or that haven't been dealt with. And so it's really just like, okay, Lord, like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, with everything being on hold, break, breaking my foot, everything shutting down, the Lord's like, your season right now is to just be here, focus on me, mm-hmm. like, and, and that's where I need you. Be still. Mm-hmm. Be still and know yeah. that I am God. Yeah. I know that's comes to my mind a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, you just want to keep do going, like you said. Yes. I have to do something. Exactly. I have to keep busy. You have busy. to stay busy, right? And it's almost like a distraction yeah. sometimes. Right. And, and maybe we don't realize it, you know, it's like our natural tendency. Right. I always want to like accomplish more, mm-hmm. you know, like I always want to like really do good in whatever I do. And it's like, sometimes the Lord just needs you to sit back so mm-hmm. he can do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And then he'll let you know when he needs you again. That yes. was a really hard lesson for me because of serving, you know, right. the same thing, but to, and then not feeling like I fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, God just kind of, you know, I felt like I had to be strong yeah. for everyone. Right. Yeah. I didn't want to keep crying in front of my kids <laughs> and grandkids. Yes. And it was like, okay, I, you know, I, but then God kind of got a hold of me and he put me down (laughs) and said, okay, it's time for you to be still. Mm -hmm. It's time for you to be still and just reflect on me and not try to be strong for Mm -hmm. anyone else, not try to help anyone else, not to keep going and going and going until you can't go anymore. And he, he brought me physically and mentally down Mm -hmm. to like seven years later to, to stop me and realize, okay, this is all you need is me. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. was it was a great awakening. <laughs> I was asked this question, so it really made me think. Um, if you could share one scripture with someone you knew you would never meet again, what scripture mm-hmm. would you share with them? That is so challenging. Mm-hmm. I, I read this question <laughs> and I was like, the whole Bible. I know. I'm like, a whole book. John, yes. read it. And so I really, I really did spend time like praying over this. And I even asked my sister about this one and two verses come to mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, one is first John five eleven through 13, which mm-hmm. I guess is more than one verse. That's fine. Um, you can read it. If but you want it's, or... And this is the testimony that God mm-hmm. has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Mm-hmm. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not mm-hmm. have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Wow. And then the second verse 
is Philippians 1.29. Mm-hmm. And um, that is really personal mm-hmm. um, because it says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Mm-hmm. And that one is just, it's almost like, Lord, if I bring more glory to you through suffering, then let me suffer my whole life. Yeah. You know, because I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm not glorifying God. Yeah. And so if his way of getting glory for me is through suffering, then so be it. Because mm. we're always so focused on wanting things good. Especially right now, you know, yeah. all the disruption and craziness going on. People are like, I just want normal again. Mm-hmm. But what's normal? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, okay, so we lived a certain way for a certain amount of time. Right. But it's like, but God's going to do what he's going to do to get our attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he'll do a new thing. Just mm-hmm. like Isaiah forty three nineteen, I think is that verse. Or forty three nine, one of the two. I had a couple too. Well, I already shared the second Timothy to mm-hmm. encourage yeah. everyone in their marriage mm-hmm. or in their life, wherever they are, to finish strong. And one of Chuck's and my favorite verse, and we had it in, embroidered in our grandson's blanket when they were born, was... Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, mm-hmm. to trust in the Lord and, you know, with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, which we tend to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And mm-hmm. it's so true. Just acknowledge him every day, praise him every day and every night. It's the first thing I do. I just praise God. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here another day and we're a day closer to eternity mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> something to be grateful for. Yes. Too. <laughs> and you'll reunite yes. and, and see Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then for me personally, I kind of clung to Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be anxious for I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm-hmm. And that has brought me so much comfort. Mm-hmm. He's with me all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's always there holding me. So, yeah. um, and guiding me. So that, that's been a real special verse for me personally. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll definitely share those to like the show notes. So you can look those up. And then resources I can also just link to. You said Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Yeah, the other things I, you know, were just more like devotional type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's such a great one. Too. Yeah. My favorite book, um, you know, after the death of Tyler, mm. has been um, A Grace Disguised by Jerry mm. Sitzer. And I think I've read it like seven times in the last mm. three years. Mm. Um, just because it was just, there's so much truth, um, you know, and it's just such an encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's my my number one yeah, recommendation. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for being as vulnerable and open to this and sitting here with me and just sharing your hearts and your stories. Mm-hmm. Thank you thank for you. asking. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for having us. Of course.